Name that tune. Nice. I've been waiting for that one. Thank you, Tom. Uh, hey, we're running out of time, so let's jump right in. Philippians. Guess what chapter? One. Philippians one. Oh man, but let's light an Advent candle first. Uh, if I can have the first slide here. We're going to light our fourth candle as a sign of God's love shining in the world through people past and present. And uh, next slide. Let's pray this together. Living God, thank you for coming to our world. Thank you for meeting us in real people whose stories we can tell, and above all, in Jesus. Next slide. Let's read this together. O wisdom, Lord and ruler, root of Jesse, key of David, rising sun, O King of the nations, Emmanuel, come Lord Jesus. So God, that's our prayer this morning. This season reminds us of our longing for you to come. So grateful that you came into this world as a baby and lived a perfect life and died on our behalf and rose again. This morning, God, as we open the scriptures, I pray that you would open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts to all that you have for us. Everyone said, amen. All right. So Philippians 1. Let's... Uh, Start in verse, middle of verse 18, he says, Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. So Paul, in prison, despite his circumstances, is rejoicing. And he says, For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or death. He says, so I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but have sufficient courage. And so this idea of shame is connected to his idea of deliverance. And like Rebecca said, in freedom in Christ, that this is less to do with Paul's hope to be free from prison as it is to be free in Jesus, to live as he's created to live, and therefore to stand before Christ one day and be vindicated, to stand before Christ and know I have lived as Christ has called me to live. We uh, get this idea in the Psalms, uh, Psalm 25, no one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame, but shame will come on those who are treacherous without cause. And so the psalmist here is saying those whose hope is in God won't be put to shame. It's those who, who are willfully treacherous, those who don't live in the way God has called them to live, don't live in the way God has created them to live, those who purposely take advantage of the poor and the oppressed and those on the underside of power, those who are treacherous will be put to shame, but not those who put their hope in God. Next slide. May I wholeheartedly follow your decrees that I may not be put 
to shame. And so the psalmist is saying, how, how do you not be put to shame? Live your life according to the decrees of God, the way God has taught us to live. And ultimately, God comes in Jesus and shows us the best possible way to live. So John also juxtaposes uh, this idea of courage and shame in 1 John and says this, and now, dear children, continue in him, in Jesus, so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. So continue in him. This is the call to live our lives in Jesus, rooted and connected to Christ. And so Paul says, I, I will in no way be put to shame, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or death. So Paul is saying, hey, whether I live or die, Christ will be exalted in my body. Christ will be exalted in everything I do. My whole life is given over and committed to Christ, the Messiah, the one true Lord. Now remember, Paul is living in first century Rome. It's Rome who has him in prison, and it is Rome who has declared Caesar is Lord. And Paul says, my body, does not belong to Caesar. It belongs to Christ. And everything I do in this body, whether I live or whether I die, I will exalt the one true Lord. And that's Jesus Christ, not Caesar. He says, for to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in this body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. Uh, Paul uses similar language about uh, living for Christ in the body elsewhere in Romans 14. He says, for none of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live we live for the Lord, and if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. And so for Paul, everything within him is committed to the way of Jesus. In a world that said Caesar was Lord, in a world where the pressures were so great to live a different way, Paul says, no, for me, whether I live or die, I do it for the Lord. I do it for the Lord. I, uh, where's Rachel? Hi, Rachel. I loved what you said about one of the things that, uh, well, I loved everything you said. One of the things that really hit me and struck out to me uh, was how God uh, just solidified within you uh, that there's not this dichotomized life of church life and the rest of my life. It's all, everything, everywhere we are, everything we see, everything we do, we should recognize the presence of Jesus 
all around us and the reality that the presence of Jesus is within us and that we have an opportunity to impact our world with the presence of Jesus. What we experience in this room together as a community of Jesus followers, as we worship together, it carries with us out into the world in everything we do. We're committed to glorifying and exalting Christ in our bodies. Paul, similarly in Galatians, says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. This time of year, we celebrate what we call the incarnation, that God became man, that God became flesh, that God took on a body and lived his life perfectly and died and rose again. What Paul is saying is that that gift of the incarnation of Jesus, it continues in my body. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We now get to live the incarnation because Christ lives in us. Uh, Where in your life is Jesus inviting you to live the incarnation? Where in your life are you being invited to live out the gift of the incarnation to your family, to your friends, to your church community, to the Marin community, to the world? Where is God inviting you to live out the beauty of this incarnational life? Again, in 2 Corinthians 4, Paul says, we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to the death for Jesus' sake so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So over and over and over again, Paul is talking about this life, this body, and it's Jesus who is to be revealed in our bodies, through our bodies, through our lives. We are invited to reveal Jesus to the world. So Paul says, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Uh, Paul has lived his life since his conversion, fully dedicated to Jesus. And and we get this sense here, as he's writing this letter from prison, we get this sense of, you know what? I I would be okay. 
to die. In fact, I desire it. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. Uh, he said, yeah, I could die now and be with Christ and know I've done what he's called me to do. But, he says, it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Uh, here's the thing about Paul. He understands that it's not about him. Even in death, to get to depart and be with Christ, which would be better by far, Paul says, but it's not about me. It's about what God has called me to do in the body, in this life. And right now, God has called me to be present to you. Even in prison, as I write this letter, I am called to serve. And so Paul recognizes that he is a part of a story that is so much bigger than himself. He is a part of a story that is bringing the joy and good news of Jesus to the world. And he recognizes that part of his role is to encourage this church in Philippi. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for me that I remain with you. So, as long as God calls me to be here in the body, Christ will be exalted in my body. And I will remain convinced of this. I know that I will remain. And I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Paul wants to see progress in joy and in the faith. Paul says, I'll remain here, even though I desire to depart, I'll remain here so that I will see more progress, more joy, more faith in your lives. It's more necessary. And so, even though I desire to depart and be with Christ, I'll remain here because it's not about me. This is, and we'll get into this, especially in uh, Philippians chapter 2. We, we will get there someday. Uh, but th this is the same posture of Jesus. Paul is modeling his life after Jesus. In John 1, next slide, we're told that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. Uh, Jesus knew it wasn't all about him. He gave up the glory of heaven to come and dwell among us to serve. Uh, Philippians 2 will hit on this very strongly. Jesus as a servant. This is why he came to serve and ultimately to save us from all of our sin, all of our brokenness, all of our heartache. Jesus came to serve. Uh, so what does it look like for us to live this incarnational life, to be people who are servants, living as God called us to live. Uh, in closing, I want to look 
a little bit at Ephesians chapter 4. If you want to follow along, Ephesians is the uh, letter right before Philippians. And, and Paul gives, uh, this is another letter of Paul to a church in Ephesus, uh, also a Roman colony, and uh, Paul gives some instructions for living. And what does it look like to exalt Christ in your body? Uh, let's start with verse 29 in Ephesians 4. Paul says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And so to exalt Christ in your body, what does it look like to uh, pay attention to what you're saying? Uh, is this building others up or is it not building others up? Uh, is this unwholesome or is this wholesome? Paul exhorts us to only say things that build others up that encourage others. We live in a world that is very good at tearing others down. Uh, we live in a world that's very good at being cynical. Uh, we live in a world that, where people want to make sure that they are seen as good and everybody else less than them. Paul says, only say things that build others up. Verse 30, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Uh, are, you, are you holding any bitterness? This morning, is there any anger within you? Any rage, any brawling, any slander, any malice uh, that you need to confess and repent of and release to God this morning? And instead, to be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. Uh, Paul says for, for Christ to be exalted in your body, you need to be able to forgive. Uh, you need to be able to release that bitterness, that anger, what, whatever unforgiveness you're holding on to, you, it needs to be handed over to Christ. And instead, to be kind and compassionate. To, to have Christ exalted in your body is to be kind and compassionate. Forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love. It's a great line, isn't it? Walk in the way, I think that could be a song. Walk in the way of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice 
to God. I walk in the way of love. What, what does the way of love look like? It looks like this. Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. We, we live in a world where the word love is thrown around a lot. Paul tells us what love looks like. It's giving yourself away. It's sacrificing for the sake of others. It's not doing things that make you feel better or make you feel good about yourself. It's sacrificing and giving yourself away. He says, but among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Again, we live in a culture that doesn't just hint at sexual immorality, it flaunts it. Uh, we're called to not even have a hint of sexual immorality. Any kind of impurity or greed. Uh, we may live in the greediest culture our world has ever seen. Uh, Paul says, don't let there be a hint of greed in your life. These are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. So Paul juxtaposes this way of life. Get rid of these things and instead live into these things. Uh, we're called to be thankful. Uh, when you look at all the things out there that you want, the way towards freedom from wanting to just consume more and more and more is to be thankful for that which you already have. Uh, to practice thankfulness and ultimately to be thankful for Jesus showing us the way of love, which is that he broke himself open and poured himself out for the sake of the world. He gave himself as a sacrifice. Walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. When we partake of this bread and this cup, we do so in remembrance of Jesus. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Christ's body, broken for us. And Paul says, he's now in our body. He's called we are called to exalt him in our body. We're invited to live this way of life, love, which is giving ourselves up for the sake of others because Jesus did it for us. We're invited to live the incarnation. We're invited to be broken and poured out for others 
in the same way Jesus broke himself open and poured himself out for the world. And so when we come and partake of this bread and this cup this morning, uh, perhaps before you just uh, do what's natural, the music starts and you hop up and get in line, perhaps this morning I wonder uh, if you want to spend some time in, in Ephesians 4 and 5 and look at those things that Paul talks about uh, and just pick one this morning. What, one thing that God is compelling you by His Spirit to confess and repent of and hand over to God. And one thing that God is inviting you to put on. Kindness, compassion, the way of love. Uh, what is God stirring in your own heart this morning that he's inviting you to let go of and that he's inviting you to embrace? God, this morning, we're, we're grateful for so many things. Thank you uh, for the stories from Phil and Rachel about Ghana. Thank you for the stories about Christmas in the canyon. Thank you, God, for Rebecca sharing her heart about her own story, about her mom. Uh, God, uh, for the people in our community who are facing illness, who are facing broken relationships, who are facing uh, so many things going on in their lives. God, I pray that you would meet them in those places and that you would bring your healing, bring your hope, uh, that we would be your hands and feet in that. God, thank you for the example of Paul. I pray, God, that we would live a life of love. God, we pray for the many people who today may go without a meal. Uh, we, we think about our world, God, particularly what's going on in Aleppo uh, as we get to live our lives in warm homes and with warm meals. We pray for our fellow human beings who are without homes and without food and fearing for their very lives. God, I pray that you would intervene and bring stability to that region bring hope. God, this morning as we reflect on what Jesus has done for us, as we partake of the bread and the cup, invite us ever more deeply into union with you. And compel us to live the life you created us for. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.